welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to... This is Jamie. I guess I should say that. (laughs) Avery's here. Lucy's here. We're all here. Hello. Hello. All right. Today, we're going to start our 15-part series on Less is More. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just kidding. I was um, joking about that because we have a tendency to be like overly thorough. And Jamie, her research for today really could be a 15 part series. And we're saying how ironic that is with the topic of less is more. It is. I have just a tendency, a habit. Thank you, grad school of like writing a dissertation about everything that, <laughs> that I need to present on. So, yeah. So I'm going to try to keep it brief and not break this up into a real 15 part series. <laughs> Better over prepared than under. Is that the motto? <laughs> yes. Yes. I need to edit. I need to cut out. Anyways. So I actually was inspired For this topic, when I was, of course, thinking about Disney and Avery, you know, I turned to you when we were on our recent Disney cruise together at one of the shows and Ariel is singing her song or part of your world. But I'll read some of the lyrics and you'll let me know what you think. So here are some of the lyrics to that song. And I'm not going to sing it because I cannot carry a tune. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? Look at this trove. Oh, I'm Mm -hmm. starting to sing. Treasures (laughs) untold. How many wonders can one cavern hold? Looking around here, you'd think, sure, she's got everything. I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I've got who's-its and what's-its galore. You want thingamabobs? I got 20. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. (laughs) I was like, ooh, Ariel, you are a greedy bitch. Um, (laughs) You're like, less is more? (laughs) Yes. yes. That was the censored version of what I was thinking in my mind. (laughs) So what are your thoughts about little Miss Young Adult Ariel singing about all these things that she has and and it's not doing the trick? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I think I can relate, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's so easy to get caught up in that materialistic like stuff 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 Mm -hmm. and I need more things yeah 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 when we both saw that and even you saying it now that was one of Wesley's favorite movies growing up was Little Mermaid and it just kind of brought me back to that time in our lives where we were just almost drowning in stuff yeah oh my gosh that's right you know she's like this (laughs) precious little girl and everybody adores her I mean obviously and so their gifts and presents which we are very appreciative of but there's just stuff like costumes and puzzles and toys and art projects. I mean, like and just, it's big. Like and it all big, takes up a lot of space. And it takes up a lot of space. And I felt like that time in my life, all I did was organize and reorganize the stuff mm-hmm. and like put away the stuff and then she get out the stuff and then I put away. It, we were kind of drowning in the more is more and just the things. Yeah. 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 And the same with us <clears throat> when we, I mean, and, and I think it's kind of a natural thing, especially when you have your first child, like you think you need all of the things in mm-hmm. order to be prepared and, what a switch it was when we had Max. I'm like, nah, we don't need, <laughs> we don't need this. We don't need that. Okay. I, we actually used this when Grace was an infant, but yeah, it's just amazing how much my family can accumulate things. Mm-hmm. 
It's crazy. Well, and I think people want to buy things. I mean, when else do we show up to a house with a present almost every time we show up? But like grandparents or friends or when there's a new baby or a small child, you show up with with a thing a lot of times. And so you can't just accumulate and accumulate these things. (laughs) Who's it's and what's it's galore. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That consumption, I think, is a big thing, especially for here in the, the United States. So I wanted to talk a little bit about We've been in this pandemic going on two years and wanted to see how y'all did like regarding doing less mm-hmm. like during the pandemic and how that changed over time if it did. You know, Jamie is actually thinking about that this week because we have been back into like full blown busy mode, right? I think like every day we have stuff, you know, like work and then kids mm-hmm. have one has basketball, the other's got volleyball, and then you're like running from place to place. And so it's been very busy. And actually at a moment this week where I was like, I kind of miss the pandemic, <laughs> right? Where I could just like be at home and go for a walk. And it was all much quieter and calmer and more still. And that, that I missed something about that. And I know that I could say like, okay, we're not doing activities. We're going to do less. I like those too. I do like for my kids to be involved in, in the sports and whatnot. I think that's fun. And so it's, there's like tension there. Yeah. I think I am much more extroverted than my husband, than John and Wesley are. And so I think I have been so relieved to get back into the swing of things. Like this last weekend, we had plans with you, Jamie. We had other plans and we were kind of like on the go. And that felt so good to me. And Wesley was like, this is kind of a people-y weekend. Like we had a lot of people this weekend. (laughs) And And not like, I think she's enjoyed it, but I think I'm aware that like, whoo, it feels so good to be back with my people. And I think that, that there was the busyness I've got to be mindful because I don't want it to get to that point that it's like, we're not enjoying it anymore. I think right now we're still enjoying it, but I think it could easily get to that like rat race feeling again. Yeah. And it sounds like what you're saying, Avery, is that what you've missed really during the pandemic is the opportunities for connection, not necessarily just to fill up your schedule. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. I, I felt very similar at the beginning, like, oh, this is nice. We can stay at home a lot and we can really slow down. And then what did I end up doing? Man, I started filling up my client list mm-hmm. and was working a lot. I actually reviewed the statistics for my practice to see kind of where I'm at and how things have gone over the past couple of years. And I was like, holy crap. Like, look at what was <laughs> happening yeah. like mid 2020, yeah. you know, 2021. I remember laughing yeah. about like, sure, Friday night at 10. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> What's right, me? Right. 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 <laughs> so how quickly, right, that shifts, yeah. you know, even like during the pandemic, like the height of it, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm like, oh, let's slow down. Oh, no, wait, <laughs> let me let me cram in my schedule with all of this work. Right. What else do I have to do? That's right. But yeah, and even as coming out of it, I think for us, for our family, it's, it's we're trying hard to kind of like maintain that balance of being active, doing things that are fun, doing things that we've missed doing, but still keeping kind of a slower pace and being intentional about what it is that we want to do. Yeah, I think that's been kind of a universal, it seems like, experience as people ride this wave of the pandemic. So we were talking about material things. And I'm thinking as we are, when this podcast drops, it will be, I guess, kind of in the springtime. And so with spring, I think a lot of times there's this urge to renew, declutter, organize, kind of Marie Kondo your Mm -hmm. life. Do you all have those desires to like clean, declutter when it comes, like when we get out of the holiday season Mm -hmm. and come springtime? 
Yes. Yeah. I have that desire a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think I forget springtime. <laughs> yeah. like all year. That's a year-round experience for me is to like declutter. Okay. And yeah, I, that's like my favorite thing to do is to like get rid of stuff and yeah, yeah maybe to a excessive point sometimes like, but I like it. I mean, I, I love to like declutter and get things out and donate things and get them out of the house and have that space and have it be more. Yeah. I like it too. It just takes a lot of time and energy and effort. Yeah. So I'm not good. I, I wish I did it more often. And I yeah. think I could probably use like two weeks at home to like really do a thorough mm-hmm. sifting, sifting mm-hmm. through things. How do y'all decide? Do you have like certain criteria for what you want to do? Or is it just when the mood strikes? So I I did the actually Marie Kondo thing, like uh-huh. the way that she describes it in her is book. She the life-changing magic of tidying. That's right. That, uh-huh. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I did that. I forget when it was probably a few years ago, maybe around the time that the book came out. But she describes kind of this process of like getting all of one thing, like all of your shoes out and like looking through them or whatever. And I I did that. And it was really nice. It was really like, oh, wow. When you can see everything there together, why do I have five pairs of a very similar shoe or whatever? And, but I think since that time, it's been more like in my closet, I'll just have a bag that if I try something on, I'm like, I've never liked this shirt and I, it's just taking it, then I'll just put it in the bag. Or if I like shoes, if they're just like rubbing a blister, I'll just put it in the bag. So that's, I've got kind of a system with clothes. That's about it though. (laughs) What about you, Jamie? Do you like to clean out and do you have a system? I do. And I don't really have a system. It's more kind of like when I just can't take it anymore. Uh And then I will jump in and Robert is really great at organizing and decluttering and stuff too. And so we'll kind of tackle a room together. Mm -hmm. So I wish I was a little bit more systematic because we are kind of like go in with intensity and yeah. don't do it as often. So I wish like that we hard, took it. Right? Yeah, we do. We do. Where it's like, all right, we're going to take the day and like the kids aren't here. So let's get into their rooms. Yeah. 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 And that can be yeah. nice too. Yeah. Well, and that's the funny part about the kids. I swear over the years, you have something that they have not touched. Yes. Mm-hmm. For forever, uh-huh. like uh-huh. literally. And then it goes in a donation pile and they see it. They're like, that's my favorite. You yes. can't get rid of it. Uh-huh. Like you haven't touched it. So you have to kind of do it while they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. And then they never know. Yeah. yeah. And we're not. <laughs> they don't miss it. That's right. Uh-huh. And we're not good at subtraction. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Like there is a, one of the resources that I looked at was a book by Matt May called The Laws of Subtraction. And he talks about how actually we're kind of hardwired to accumulate when you look back at like our ancestors, that that's the thing is that we accumulate we hoard, we store, you know, and I think that's like kind of a neat explanation as to why we are the way that we are. And it lays out kind of the real challenge, which is like, this is an instinctual thing for us to do. And so we're kind of like trying to to battle that, that desire. Mm-hmm. Did he have any feedback on how best to subtract? Uh, no, no. <laughs> just I told you why. <laughs> no, I, I didn't go that far into it. Okay. I was just kind of looking at the why do we do this before I got into mm-hmm. any of the how-tos, which we'll have some suggestions for that a little bit later on in this podcast. And something else that y'all were talking about, there's this concept by social that social psychologists and people who study decision-making, it's called the sunk cost bias. So when you're talking about kids or yourselves not wanting to get rid of things. Studies have shown that we tend to value things that we already own Mm. more. We value them higher Mm. than they're actually worth. And so therefore we find it really hard to get rid of them. And so one of the questions that could be interesting to kind of ask yourself if you're struggling with trying to get rid of items is if I didn't already own this, how much would I spend to buy it? 
like right here, right now, which is interesting. Like you were talking about multiple pairs of shoes and and I have this habit. I mean, I looked in my closet. I have 16 freaking pairs of jeans. <laughs> like I like about three of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, quite honestly, I'm like, these are comfy. These other ones, like I don't really care for the style, but they just hang in my closet, literally accumulating dust. Every time we go on a Disney trip, I snag their travel size lotions and the shampoos and stuff like that. So this is after I've cleaned out. I had this big container that was just absolutely full of nothing but H2O plus Disney products of little mini shampoos, conditioners, body washes and lotions. After I cleaned it out, I still had 30 bottles of Disney lotion. Oh, wow. oh like I went back the and lotion. looked just the lotion, okay. like 30 bottles. And this is after me cleaning it out like what the hell, Jamie? Like, why do you need? <laughs> oh, why do I need that many? I don't know. And then I saw this video where if you stay at like the deluxe resort or I can't remember what video it like quite was because I watched too many Disney videos. But now they have rather than in some of the rooms, rather than the little travel size bottles, they've got like these full like <laughs> bottles like that you pay like $30 for. And I was like, oh, I texted my sister and I said, those aren't nailed down. Like, <laughs> look at that. Do I need it? No, no, I don't. It's just a, Do I want it? A ter- yeah, a terrible <laughs> habit. <laughs> so, yeah. So it sounds like all three yeah. of us, you know, how about for the two of you? Do you have like collections of things that have been hard to books? Yeah. I made books. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a time that I found this little like those little pop up libraries that you could just like leave your books in. Oh, yeah. And I really liked that because like, I could finish a book and like put it there. And then there was a time that I like got books from the library, but the pandemic kind of stopped that. So now I just buy books. And they kind of taught me, like, I'm not, I haven't read them, which makes me feel bad. So I can't really get rid of them because I really want to read them. But then do you? But then do I? Right. Mm-hmm. But then there's right. other good things I to read them too. for a month. Am I going to read them? Well, so I have some on my shelves in here that have been there like uh-huh. a decade. Yeah. Yeah. But it may not even be relevant anymore. <laughs> right. So right. Same. Yeah, same. It's like a giving up on the, I don't know, the idea of reading. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. That That's harder for me. I can get rid of jeans all day, but books, that's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. How about for your kids? What are the things that are hard for them to let go of? Do they have specific items now? For my kids, it's more things that have like memories associated with them. Mm -hmm. I think that they're both pretty nostalgic, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that there's a bit of like resistance around Mm -hmm. growing up and getting older, especially for my oldest. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't want to get rid of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like her, her iPad broke earlier this week, like totally just stopped working. And so we thought we were going to have to get a new one and or replace it or do something with it. But she was sad to even like replace it. She's like, it has to look the same, but it won't have my name on it. It won't oh. be the same one. Right. So there's this reluctance. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly is the same that she has these things that I, some things I, I'm aware of. I'm like, oh yeah, those are like your memories. I get that. And some of them I don't even remember. She'll remember the whole backstory. Yeah. Like, well, remember I got this one. Did it? I'm like, oh, wow. That's really Wow. Okay. But she did. Wesley just cleaned out her room. I was so proud of her, like cleaned out all of these clothes that were just kind of getting in her way. And that was really nice. Like she was able to do that and got rid of some things that, that were surprising. I was like, oh, that's great to see that on its way out and held on to some things too. I think that were a little surprising, but yeah, that sentimentality, that nostalgia kind of like, oh, I remember when makes it hard for them to let go. I think. Yeah. Which is sweet. I mean, that is a a sweet thing. Yeah. 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 You know, something, and I would say my kiddo Max is, he likes stuff. Like he, 
he just he just does. And so when I was looking again at like research for this, there was a term that was that I hadn't seen before, uh, a term by Robert Frank. He's an economist at Cornell University called luxury fever. And it comes from his book, the same title, Luxury Fever, Why Money Fails to Satisfy in an Era of Excess. And in that book, he talks about the different spending habits of Americans over the years. And I thought it was really interesting. Like our houses are twice as big as they were in the 50s. A new car costs about $40,000, which is much different than when I got my car. Good grief. It's like twice as much as what it was 20 years ago. And I was thinking about like when it comes to our kids and our adolescents, um, they're even more, I feel like, susceptible to this luxury fever than adults are because they just don't have the experience in minimizing things all of that sort of stuff. And especially, I think, as as parents, if we don't spare any expense and trying to make them, quote unquote, happy, I think that absolutely lends to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. I I remember, especially when Wesley was little, like, I mean, I've shared before, we we was so hard to get pregnant. It was so, we were so excited to have her that we really did have, like, it has to be the perfect baby carrier. It has to be the perfect whatever. And and I think some of that was just like new parents and experience, like not really knowing. And so like go with the best, right? Mm-hmm. The safest item or whatever. But I think as, as she's gotten older, I realized she doesn't, there's certain things that she really does want a certain way, but there's certain things that I, I thought that she would want, like name brand leggings or name brand other things that she's like, yeah, I don't really care about that. And so that's kind of nice because I do probably have more luxury fever, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I like, I like nice things. Mm-hmm. I like things to be a certain way. And so that, yeah, I like that term a lot. Yeah. Some of the other stats that were really interesting from this book, he talks about that children are more likely to have credit cards if they're Parents make more money. So, for example, if you if your household income is above $80,000, then about 15% of those kiddos, at least from the survey that he did, had their own credit card. I thought that was interesting. And I think there are some mm-hmm. pros and cons to that. You know, if you want to teach your children about financial literacy and responsibility and and how to go about that, that could be one pro. But I've seen probably in my office more cons. <laughs> But I think it depends on the age too, yeah, right? Yeah, and so absolutely. I've been very intentional not to give my kids thus far like a credit or debit card because I think that their thinking is much more concrete when they're mm-hmm. young. And so if you have this card, like if you have to count out the money and you have cash, like it makes it much more real of here's what I'm buying, here's what it costs, here's what spending is. Mm-hmm. I think there's that. I've worked with a lot of people in my practice who get to be college or graduated from college and they're terrified about having to, to budget because yes. they've never mm-hmm. had, had budgets or limits, a lot of them. And so it's this sense of, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to shop at Lululemon or, or Central Market, this like mm-hmm. nicer grocery mm-hmm. store. Like what is a budget or how am I even going to manage this? Or they're used to door dashing a bunch and it's all very expensive, but the they just haven't had to think about mm-hmm. it when you're just playing with plastic. It can feel kind of pretend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And another area that I was thinking about regarding, you know, the domain of parenting has to do with scheduling all the homework, the extracurriculars, creating like this resume of activities Mm -hmm. for college, all of that kind of stuff, like really encouraging kids to be super productive. When a lot of times I think we're just creating like these hurried and worried children. Machines. Yeah, quite honestly. You know, I think working hard is important, but it doesn't always mean that more effort gets you better results. That's not the way that it works all the time. So how do you help your kiddos slow down, find balance, or what advice do you give to your clients about that? So with my kids... 
they're not super motivated to do a whole bunch of things. So like, I'm, I feel like I'm also often nudging them in the other direction. Like, come on, like, let's, here we go. What else might you want to engage Mm -hmm. in, in the world? But with clients, right. And I think of myself, I think this is a big thing. And Jamie, I like that distinction between we can think of less as more like on a very materialistic kind of Mm -hmm. concrete level, but then we also have the whole domain of, you know, commitments or things we're involved in. And I read a great book recently called Essentialism, Mm -hmm. which I highly recommend, but it's like, how do we do the essential kind of strip down to really what's most important? He has got this great diagram where it's like a little circle and there's like 25 arrows, like little arrows coming out of it. Or you can have like the circle being you and have like one big arrow coming out of it. But we have been taught this idea that you can do it all and that that's just simply not true. And so how do we kind of accept that and then really focus in on where we can make our greatest contribution to the world? Yeah. Yeah. I do like that book. It's by Greg McAllen, if anybody wants to check it out. But yeah, it's a, it's definitely a good book. It's tricky with parenting, right? Because I think on one hand, you want to balance giving your kids exposure to different arrows, right? To letting them experience different things and try different things on to see what is the fit, what is the passion, what is the thing that's going to light them up. But then that can be all the, it can be hard. It can be hard to really negotiate. Like, do we spend only our time on soccer or do we want to try tennis and golf and guitar and voice lessons as well? And maybe there is, so I just, it's kind of like threading that needle, I feel like, in some ways, too. Well, and I feel like that that visual I just talked about with a bunch of arrows applies more to adults sure. than kids. Because yeah. I do feel like up to a certain point, you have to have this like exposure and this exploration before you can kind of focus in. That is often a great sadness to me with a lot of the competitive sports nowadays with kids. We're starting from a very young age. If you want to be good at soccer, let's say you have to do it year round on a club team and there's no time for anything else. You have to like pick soccer basically. And you can't at age eight mm -hmm. and like, who knows at age eight, like what you want to do. Maybe guitar was your thing. Yeah. yeah, I know that makes me sad to you that things are more all encompassing instead of just like for fun, like recreational. We'll do it in the fall and spring. You want to do these other things and it's not six times a week. That's right. It gets competitive Mm -hmm. really young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's something else that I was thinking about, whether it's kids or whether it's ourselves. And and I, regarding this notion of overcommitting, like I can Mm -hmm. be pretty bad at that. Like when I was considering last semester, like, you know, it was, teaching panel yeah the disney (laughs) panel and i'm like oh well this will just be a few hours a week no really jamie it's probably like 10 10 to 15 as you're working two full-time jobs but hey i can do it so i'm terrible at like overestimating like my ability to do things and then underestimating the time that it takes to do them like let's cram more one more thing in and you know i think i see a lot of clients too that struggle with that in their lives as well. Like, oh, I've got 10 minutes here. Let me hurry and cram this email in, which may make them make them late for the next thing. Or, hey, let me make this phone call or or let me swing by and do this errand really quick. And there's no time to just really sit back and reflect, take a breath and be effective, like be more effective. And again, I think it's that message that we get, like that we can do everything and we can be everything to everybody out there when the reality is there are trade-offs that have to be made. It's important to keep that in mind. So I wanted to skip to this notion of savoring, which I don't feel like people talk about very much. One of the ways that people are able to bring about and appreciate and enhance their positive experiences is this notion of savoring. So what comes to mind for you all with that word to savor? Mm. Like savoring a good meal, like Mm -hmm. really enjoying 
a special experience, whether it be a meal or like a concert or something that's unique and special that doesn't happen every day that you really do give yourself time to like enjoy and just like focus on just that experience. Sometimes I think with food, it can be like you have to almost like close your eyes and just focus because it's so delicious. Yeah. And you just want to focus on that one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why we don't talk about it much because somehow we have associated with it. It needs to be special to savor. Mm. And then it's a question of why can't we just savor yeah, every, every moment? That's it's right. This idea of that's being right. really fully present for like whatever the experience that's might right. be. Exactly. Right. And like as you're describing it, you know, if you're, whether it's a meal, whether it's a moment, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you're not doing 50 things at once, right? Right. Your focus is only on that one particular. You can't savor if you're doing 50 things. No, you can't. Absolutely not. You can't fully appreciate it. And it makes it really hard. You know, I think especially like I see that with really type A frenetic kind of individuals that they have a hard time, like slowing down and. (laughs) Never heard of that. So, I mean, I think that's, that's it. If you want to savor something or if you want to include that practice, you need to slow down and you need to make sure that you're only doing one thing at a time. And yes, Lucy, you don't, it doesn't have to be like especially special in order for you to savor things. The other piece of it with savoring is that not just the slowing down and being mindful or being attentive, but to really become more aware of what are the positive feelings that you're feeling at that particular time and naming them, which Avery, your husband recently discovered the importance of naming an emotion yes. uh-huh. <laughs> and like what that feels uh-huh. like. Right. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I think once you've put your positive feelings into words, something else that you can do is tell yourself explicitly in the moment here, I am feeling this way mm-hmm. right now. You can practice gratitude at that time and something else too. You can share it with other individuals just to savor them even longer. You can let other people know, like, even if it's a small thing, like, Hey, I'm having a good day today. I slept so well last night. Like those sorts of things to really appreciate those moments. Any other things that come to mind for you all when it comes to, to savoring? Well, I think it's such an important concept to put with the less is more is I think that if we're in the kind of frenetic state of constantly trying to get more and more and more, then we're not able to like savor what we have. I think you're right. It doesn't have to be special to savor it, but we do have to focus to savor it and and focus on the one thing at hand versus like that striving of, okay, well, this meal was great, but I want to get, I'm trying to think about the next uh, to really be able to go with the decluttered experience, right? That's slowing down and and focusing on what's at hand, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that individuals can do is to really focus in and imagine that this is the last time that you may have this experience. Mm. You know, imagining that this positive moment is sort of a last of a lifetime experience. You know, I think it produces a mix of emotions, kind of this bitter sweetness, but it makes the present moment really vivid mm-hmm. when you do that. And so that's something that individuals can try out if they want to practice savoring. Mm. What do we do then if our moments don't feel positive? That makes sense. So let's Mm. say someone's in a rough spot, right? Mm -hmm. And that they're stressed or they're overwhelmed or Mm -hmm. they're anxious or depressed, like whatever may be happening. And it doesn't feel like there's much to savor. Mm. And I think sometimes from that place is when we start piling on more. Right. But what would be the idea? I think really it's for those times to take time off to let 
your life pass a little bit more slowly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that people a lot of times, whether they're depressed or anxious or whatever, they're going through the motions, they're filling up their schedules, they're doing all of these things to try to make themselves feel better by piling on more when really what happens is that you need to take more off of your plate. You need to do less. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I see people just like killing themselves. And I, I was susceptible to this too, like really working so hard and in order to kind of save up to do like this, you know, big vacation, like, all right, this is my carrot at the end of the stick, but I'll see people do vacations with the sort of the same frenzy mm. and fervor as what they work, you know, as their work schedules. Where so, you get to the vacation and you are so depleted that yeah, you can't even That you can't even it. enjoy it. And so, I mean, I think sometimes what individuals can do is plan like little mini vacations. Mm-hmm. So especially if you're you're struggling with some mental health concerns, like what can you do for yourself 15 minutes a day? Mm-hmm. A little mini vacation. Again, it doesn't have to cost anything really, but what could you do? What are some of the things maybe that if you have trouble with finding things that you enjoy, what are the things that you used to do in the past? Can you bring those things back in? Yeah. When I think that staying in the moment can be such a nice offset for anxiety, depression. Yes. I think anxiety is so f- forward or future focused and depression is kind of this a lot of times like regret or something and about the past. And so kind of being in the present, even taking a warm bath and really letting yourself enjoy that and and not piling on the guilt or the more of the, you know, whatever, and being able to really find that experience. I find physical experiences are really helpful, especially for people that are struggling with mental health concerns, like a bath or a shower or something that can get more physical, that can kind of be like, okay, I'm just going to focus on this one thing, even for, like you said, 15 minutes versus the, I'll be happy when we go on this Mm -hmm. vacation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So any words of wisdom nuggets to try this at home? For folks to savor, get on board with the the less is more notion, anything that comes to mind? I think one thing we've been talking about, the three of us, a lot recently is this idea of clearing space. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of clearing space for savoring is kind of a, a thing that's coming to mind of, you know, being able to either clear the space by not having to think of 5,000 things during your meal or not having to think about, you know, the vacation plan. I mean, just be able to kind of clear some space to savor in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think that idea of be it your closet or your schedule, like, can you pick something that you're going to try to declutter, mm. right? And kind of figure out what feels essential. What do you want to keep? What can you let go of? And how do you start, like, once again, taking things off, like subtracting and removing rather than adding? Yeah. Yeah. That's and, good. That, and that's something practical that people can do as well is just to write out your schedule for the week and really fill in all the all the holes and then take a look at it and say ah how can i invite less like what is it that i can subtract yeah that's a really helpful one and i think that also helps to invite those like pain points where you're like ooh this is really interfering with my savoring this particular Mm-hmm. you know, part of my schedule, this racing to pick up and racing to, or whatever, like that, it kind of helps to reveal like, no wonder I feel rushed. This day is like not set up for success. So you really can clear off those like really practical logistical issues when yeah. you do that. And yeah. I think just a last note about the schedule too. I think at least I have a habit of filling in free time with like 
mindless scrolling, like who knows what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so how do I intentionally like block time where I'm doing something that actually like fills me up and it's not necessarily doing more. It may be like, okay, I'm going to meditate during this time or I'm going to try to really be creative and thoughtful around something with work, or I'm going to like sit down and watch a movie, whatever it may be. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we're going to cut it off here. I can talk for a while. Less is more. So what are we talking about next time? So next, we're going to talk about another thing that comes up in the springtime, which is getting like a swimsuit ready body. And spoiler alert, it's going to be more acceptance, less change. So next time we're going to talk about body size. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Music